I think more things in this world are unregulated than you think or that you know them to be. And okay, in terms of what? Okay, I'm going to give you an example. I have a dog. He's now eight years old. When he was a puppy, all of the vets told me that I had to take him to see a behavioral therapist. There's only apparently like three in North America that can treat certain kinds of behavioral issues in, in dogs. What? And they were like specially trained and all this, this sort of stuff. They went to like big time school. So we took the dog to go see this behavioral therapist and we spent hundreds of dollars and walked out of there with nothing more than some advice basically saying that this is the dog you have. There's no real training that you can do to, to get these habits out of them and good luck. And I'm not complaining. That was just really one of the first steps. We went and saw a whole bunch of other trainers. We, we went up and down the whole list, A to Z, in the, in the directory of dog trainers. And I'm not saying that every single one of them didn't know what they were doing. Like, I think they were all very skilled professionals in what they do. Even the behavioral therapists. I'm not, I'm not talking down about them at all. But the fact of the matter is that we walked away with, a dog that they couldn't solve the problem. The problem, yeah. Yeah. And it made me question the, uh, not not the reputation of dog trainers and the whole business of dog training, but just the, who's regulating this industry? Like, who says that this this style of dog training is the best and you got to be trained here and this is the be all and end all of everything. And again, this is just one issue. Yeah. But I walked out of that situation just go questioning more than that situation because my eyes were really opened when it, it came to, to something that no one could solve. Right. And I wasn't cheated out of money. It was just no one could solve it. When I walked out of there, I said, okay, this is a very unregulated industry, I think. Right. Because people are giving their money to professionals that say they can do this absolutely, but in some cases it can't be done. So yeah, should they have an asterisk? Sure. You know, of course there's room for, you know, one dog versus the other that they can't solve. But like the behavior of people when they're going to these kind of trainers is just putting their life in their ha- in these people's hands. That's yeah. human behavior. It's like, well, we just trust the that, expert. yeah, these experts and skilled professionals know what they're doing. Yeah. And I walked out of there going, well, maybe they don't know everything. Yeah. Um, I think there's a healthy amount of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a healthy amount of credit you can give to someone in their profession. But I think with everything in life, you have to also be critical of any advice you get from whoever you get it from, right? Um, just because you're going to an expert, unfortunately, it doesn't mean they are going to give you all the right answers. On a bigger picture, and when you relate it to other areas of life, sometimes you think like, who are these people running these countries, right? I'm not talking about, okay, they went to X uni and they have the X education, but it's like this guy or girl, whatever, decided 
to run for president or prime minister and now all of us are at their mercy <laughs> how many times have you applied to a job where half of the qualifications you did not meet but you're just like i'm gonna wing it mm. i'm just gonna wing it and i'm not accusing people in high places that they've done the same thing but i am gonna say that i know more than a handful of people that are in high places that just have more confidence than the next person in line and so yeah they they kind of brushed over the list of qualifications they're like well i just i'm just the best person to tackle this and i'll learn as i go and you know i can i'm gonna be the best person for this and that's the approach that they take but it's something that we we as the collective the rest of us looking up at them are like forgetting to be aware of that that everything and everyone is a work in progress yeah and i honestly think a lot of people just fake it till they make it and not even fake it until they make it because they're still continuing to fake it it's just now more people are buying into their bullshit and this is how you end up with billionaires that know how to lead a certain aspect of a business but then just basically like ruin the world with the other side of everything that they do um and people are like that's only when people notice oh this guy doesn't know everything just because he was smart enough to make a billion dollars does not make him smart enough to make these other kind of decisions like going on a submarine and trusting a man who puts material on a sub which shouldn't be used to create a submarine um, and everyone tells him it's not to be used and he does it anyways. And they didn't do their due diligence when yeah. looking into this person. They just like trusted this man. Um, I would be, I think it's safe to say that most of the younger population when that event occurred were looking at it from a very common sense point of view. And we were all just like, yeah, I wouldn't trust this guy. And it wasn't just because we saw the interviews after it was just like, it was all kinds of shadiness. Great success. And I'm not talking about becoming a millionaire because that's no longer uh an unachiev- unachievable thing it's billion, billion yeah, exactly. we're talking about certain level of success is not achieved by smart people i'm not saying they're not smart but it's typically achieved by people who are a little bit more um abrupt in their personalities who are risk takers who almost have a fuck it mentality yeah and those are your entrepreneurs your ceos your multi-billion dollar human beings um i read a book that said again not verbatim but the majority of people are afraid to aim for a billion dollars they aim for a million dollars right? There's a small percentage of people in the population that say, I'm going for the big thing. That's really, really hard to get. But if you think about the statistics, when you have the majority of people going after the same thing versus a small percentage of people going after something that's, yes, slightly riskier, but you have less competition, who do you think is going to achieve it? So going back to what you're saying about you know, certain types of people and how these guys just jumped on a submarine. We're saying this now because it failed. But how many successful things have these risk takers done and they've become successful? It's the same reason why they apply. Certain personalities will apply for a job knowing very well 
that they're not fully qualified, mm-hmm. but that's not the point of that job. The point of the job is not the qualification. And if you've ever been in the hiring hiring side of things, in fact, when you get a candidate who doesn't possess every single thing on the list, it's actually more attractive. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the regulatory bodies, though, I think you can limit and you can be aware of what kinds of limits are there are to the risks associated with things. So if we're going to compare like kind of apples to apples, if you're thinking about NASA um, and, you know, some of their failed uh, spaceships or space, whatever you call them, ventures. Yes, they've had failures, but it is well known that they have a lot of assessments, a lot of uh, risk reducers in their processes. That's well known. We can all, um, we don't have to know a lot about NASA to, to understand that. So to your point, yes, why were five billionaires on this submarine? Because they're likely a little bit even more risk takers than the rest of us. And they were willing to look past all of those red flags that we all saw. How much? I don't know. I don't know if they were all prepared for death. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were, in which case I'll shut my mouth. But like, I think a lot of us can assume that they weren't that prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of us were like looking at it like, ugh. So yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking of as you're talking about this is a characteristic you can attach to billionaires and also just people who have their sights set on, you know, great success is the sense of delusion. I've noted that people have said this about me to myself because I'm a very resilient person. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be attributed to a sense of delusion that I have mm-hmm. where I just kind of believe that something still great could happen. I'm part of that party of people where we were like doing our uh, uh, Oscar award-winning speech in the mirror when we were like 10 years old with, yeah. a, with a hair comb. And it doesn't matter how old you get, you still have this like belief that, oh, maybe someday it could happen. And it's kind of delusion based, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not associating myself with like the grandness of billionaires, but like I can see how that's probably one of the qualities that they have even more so, yeah. which makes a lot of sense when you're looking at the other kinds of things that these people do. Yeah, I think you. I think you have to have a certain level of. Um, I don't. I don't know if the word is delusion though. I think it's more. You gotta think big. Yeah. And you have to think less. Right. Because if you sit there and you think about the pros and cons, the positives and the negatives and the risks, you will never do it. And the difference between you and the guy who does is he he says, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Let me see what happens. Mm -hmm. What's the worst thing that could happen? I'll fail. Okay. I'll do it again. I'll fail a hundred times while you're still sat there thinking if the first idea was worth the risk. Mm, okay, okay. I'm going to I'm going to split this a little bit here. Should an argument be made for the fact that there shouldn't be stay with me. There shouldn't be billionaires or highly successful individuals in this world because ultimately it is a selfish need that these people are fulfilling. I'll speak for myself too. Anytime I think about that great success it's because me Mm-hmm. I want to achieve this. Um, and then it, you know, it doesn't matter how how charitable your uh, 
organization your organization is or your yeah what you want to do with this world it's still if you're the per if you want to be the person to do it there's that selfish sense there Mm -hmm. and so billionaires are naturally selfish people when you have a bunch of these individual people this this is the um criticism against very wealthy people it's that they're not actually contributing to this world at the end of the day by hoarding all of this money forget about the money by just being in the position that they're in. It's just not necessary. Things would be better run if it was more of a collective. So who gets the money? The government? Yeah, but forget about the money. It's 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 why, why do we have to have ultimate leaders of these corporations? Why does Elon Musk have to, why does, why does X or whatever it's called now have to have a leader? The running joke is that leaders, CEOs actually do nothing, right? They just well, kind of sign no, documents. I think, and... No, I think the I think um, that's when you know you have a great CEO is when your uh, team actually doesn't feel like you're right. doing anything because they're not micromanaging. They're it's, not in it, your face. They're letting you be the best um, player and contribute to the best of your abilities. Exactly. Um, but going back to your first question of why do we need leaders, I think this goes back to just human. Um, and if you look at I mean, we have to look at history and how uh, societies were created. Um, human beings require leaders. Mm-hmm. Not everyone was meant to lead or think by themselves. And this might sound a little bit controversial coming out, but some people prefer and are better at being told what to do right versus some people are better at leading and in general you put a bunch of people together and don't give them instructions it's chaos yeah absolutely but how do we find a balance between what i presented as the first problem here which is how did we end up with all of these categories of skilled corporations people who think they know the best way to do things and ultimately in the day it's can't solve everything yet we the way we look at them is like this be all and end all source of knowledge when it really shouldn't be looked at like that. I don't want to start obviously like questioning things that shouldn't be questioned because that creates a, obviously a, a bad culture and get into the whole vaccine thing. It's not where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in medicine, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I think it's, it's my issue is more just, it, it's, it's the black and white of it all. It's the, you know, well, if, if this can't be solved by that, then you're, you're a lost cause. And it creates, it creates like ostracized members of society and all of this stuff. Like when people don't fit into these, but it's like, then who created everything? At some point you put yourself in the hands of some kind of regulatory or unregulated system. And it's, you got to just. The onus comes back to you as an individual. Right. I think, um, you know how we started this was with the dog trainers, right? And if we even go beyond that, we all have a choice to who we listen to and what advices we take. And at the very same time, we in this day and age, we have access to all sorts of resources and information. And this is why being critical and thinking critically and making sure the sources are legitimate Mm -hmm. not just because you read an article on google but who wrote this article yeah right 
the onus comes down to us as individuals. You want to fix the overall organization, the system, start taking baby steps in your own life, in right. your own day to day. And then that trickles down to bigger things. Right. And it makes me think also about when you're talking about onus, we put a lot of onus on celebrities mm-hmm. and people in celebrity like roles that have a lot of influence on society. And for whatever reason, we think they need to act responsibly because they have a duty no, with platform, with the platform yeah. that they were given. And so we are very hard on yeah. on a lot of people like that. But then on the flip side, we're not that hard on people who lead and have a lot of influence almost behind the scenes, but in a again, it's a very failed way. So if you're if you're the leader of Amazon, you're you have a massive influence on not just the whole corporation, but also on the way that these businesses in general are run. And then what happens with your money as well, and all these other trickle-down effects that are totally failed but just because you're not exactly the face of it and all of a sudden they're off the hook um but if if that was kim kardashian it would be everything would be looked at under the microscope about what she's doing it's really interesting how we just don't put that accountability but it's not accountability that's us right that's us that's the reason why the news is not publishing global ceos multinational blue chip company CEOs everyday life and everyday decisions is because it won't sell. Yeah. So our society, our culture, we are more interested in Kim K and Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and everything else, pop culture. That is literally what has become more important to us than when a bill gets passed. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a problem. It is. It's a society problem. We feed into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're making money off of it. They are making so much. I'm not talking about the celebrities themselves because, you know, they're just, in a lot of ways, I actually think they're just bystanders. This is this goes way beyond them. Mm-hmm. The people who are making money off these magazines and, well, no more, but like these um, ads and these news sources and outlets and all that. They're doing a good job by masking. By ma- They're basically telling us what is news and what is important, right? And that's the media. That, is, that becomes our reality. That becomes our narrative. And this goes back to a lot of stuff that's happening right now in the world. Um, a lot of people are challenging the media. Mm-hmm. Whichever side you're on. Both sides are kind of saying, well, this is not the narrative. And the other side is saying, this is not the narrative. You know, tell me, what is it? Tell me your version. I'll tell you my version. And then someone t- says the truth. What is the truth? If everything we know is fed to us <laughs> through a camera lens, how are you not questioning? Yeah. But that's, that's the part that people need to get to. It's, you have to question. You have to. But I think people do. You know, one of the, one of the things I do appreciate about education and like academia is it does reinforce this and reiterate this and it mm-hmm. really pushes critical thinking and it's something that I would want to instill in my household how do you think you learned how to critically think like where do you think that came from 
by allowing yourself to be curious. I think curiosity allows for a lot of critical thinking. One of the most influential people in terms of my view on media was is actually a YouTuber. A lot of people know him. His name is Philip DeFranco. Mm-hmm. He's been doing the news, quote unquote news, um, on YouTube for like as long as I can remember, maybe like 10, 15 years. And he always ends his news cycle with, you know, the words of like, well, that's just my opinion. He's always been an advocate for critical thinking and putting the onus on his viewers to go and seek out multiple um, sources of media. He's not saying follow me and only me. He's literally saying go and do your own research. But the stories he also presents, they are a mix of what's in happening in the world right now, what's you know naturally in the media, but then also some other stories that may not make uh, major yeah. headlines. But I always turn my head and go, wow, how is that not a major headline? But yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the ones that opened my eyes to the whole media spin on things. For me, it was more probably like my first year at university where mm-hmm. I took this, it was a psych course actually. And uh, the professor walked in and he said, everything you know has been taught to you. And so someone has taught you your reality. Someone has taught you your truth. I had a somewhat similar experience. I took a course in university called Science and Pseudoscience. Mm. And it focused on three main things. The Bermuda Triangle, Triangle. UFOs, and astrology. And I was a young buck. You know, I was pretty sheltered at that point. I didn't believe necessarily in all of these things, but basically he tore apart everything. And all he did was just show us the reality, the actual news and research that had been done on all of these things that just for some reason never made mass media. And like it, he, he basically just showed us all of these things that debunked all of the myths, like all of the accounts that happened in the Bermuda Triangle, for example, like where Mm -hmm. the plane fell and all these, all the major incidents, none of them actually took place in the Bermuda Triangle itself. It was outside of it just for starters. UFOs. I mean, that's, you know, that's, (laughs) you don't need much to do that, but he basically debunked any major story that had been um, published about that. And then astrology, one of the things we learned was that if astrology was true, let's just say that we were influenced by the stars and that our birth month was aligned with, you know, constellations and all that stuff, even if that was true, because of the way the world has spun on an axis or something and changed, over time, we are actually in a sign over from what we think we are. I don't know. It's like backwards or forwards. You're not actually the sign you are, if that was true. So, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff like that, where it's literally just taking the time to do any kind of research, anything. But I understand why people want to believe what they want to believe. Um, There's a sense of security and safety when you stick to your ideals. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And this is why sometimes when you speak to people are so adamant about their thoughts and ideas, they, they get so defensive because you're not, they're not defensive because you're having a healthy conversation with them or you're, you know, challenging them on something. You're challenging them on their core now, their safety you're taking away their safety. Mm-hmm. And this is why they get so defensive sometimes. 
Um, yeah. And I, I can empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad believes in UFOs, so <laughs> I've, I've battered him my whole life about it. Um, but ultimately it just comes down to the fact that he just wants to believe in something mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave him with that. I'm not going to burst his bubble. I'm not, and I'm also not going to look down upon him and, and think that he's less intelligent than the next person. He just yeah. wants to believe in something. You know, I, if I really sat down and thought about it, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of weird things that I believe in I'm, amongst all my OCD things, you know, just even like lucky yeah. numbers, whatever, something as small as that. This is all based in, in like, you know, weird theories so i don't sit there and judge people who like aren't questioning every single thing but when it affects your day-to-day life when you're when you're becoming a meaner person because of it if you're judging others like actively judging others actively hating on other people that's where i have a problem with it and i say to you you need to open your eyes a little bit and be a little bit more understanding of how you know, the journeys that other people have taken and their own beliefs and that your, your way of thinking isn't the be all and end all. Yeah. And I think you just said it, right? It's the judgment. And the minute you, because questioning is good. Questioning is healthy, but doing it in a respectful way for both of you, Mm -hmm. being open enough to allow the questions to come in and also being able to ask those questions. But the minute you there's a judgmental tone or any kind of you're creating that judgmental space you're shutting the door on progress progression and development and and then where do we go from there yeah you know you get to a point where you say believe what you want and you know which is unfortunate because that's the thing why it's this sense that people have to rule things and it has to be all their way and this is how you get up into problems with this but that's that's a low eq yeah because people with high iqs are aware that your perspective is different than mine yeah we, we've, we've talked about this before um people with high iqs understand that it's okay for us to have different ideas and thoughts and beliefs but we're still able to have a conversation about it yeah. tell that to all of middle america it's a, it's like a, it's a lost cause. We just yeah. need new people. <laughs> we just need to renew all of humanity. You know that company does restructuring. Yeah. We need to start doing that for government. Yeah. Like just do a complete yeah. clean house. Yes. But that's what elections are supposed to be. Right. But it's not because it's so divided. They are divided. Well, the the disease is so deep rooted. Yeah. That even when you clean house, you're only cleaning, you're doing a very superficial. That's so true. You know, like when CEOs come to do restructuring, they fire everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. (laughs) Well, we're trying. We're trying. One (laughs) podcast at a time. Yeah.